And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of Life with Luigi, starring J. Carol Nash. Then, Charles McGraw stars in the audition broadcast of the detective series The Man from Homicide from 1950. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. Last time we began listening to Life with Luigi with uh, J. Carol Nash in the traffic light from April 4th, 1950. Here's the conclusion now to Life with Luigi. And so, Mamma Mia, just because I'm trying to get a traffic signal for my corner, it looks like I'm in the worst trouble of my life. And maybe you think I'm wrong. That street corner is not so bad. Believe me, Mamma Mia, three times I'm a try to cross it before and three times the same taxi is chased me back. <laughs> you should have seen me. I'm a jump around more than Uncle Pietro's a goat today. He's a sitting a type in a time. <laughs> but I'm a convinced I'm a do the right thing for a neighborhood. And then suddenly the door is open up and I'm a here. Hello, little cabbage puss. Oh. Hello, Pasquale. What are you doing? Still trying to fight the whole world, eh? Pasquale, my mind is made up and nothing is going to frighten me. No? Hey, Luigi, read this. Special delivery letters are just a committee for you. Read where it's come from. Police department. Hey, Pasquale, what do they want from me? Open up, or maybe they offer you bargain rates in a cell at Alcatraz. <laughs> Dear Mr. Basco. Oh, Pasquale, I'm, I'm, I'm so nervous. I can see. The way your hands are shaking at those words are liable to fall off the page. Here, give me. I'm going to read your death certificate for you. All right, here. hear April 4th, 1950, police debt. <laughs> debt, what's that? Debt, that's something you owe somebody. <laughs> Sure, already the police is suing you for the traffic signal. Huh? Give me the letter, Pasquale. I'm going to read. Dear Mr. Basco, one of our officers will see you 7.30 p.m. with the reference to traffic signal situation at a holster in a maple. Uh, Make sure you are home when officer arrives. Well, let me see. Who signed this letter? Captain Tom Redden, 41st PCT. PCT. Psst. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. 
ECT, that's a bad. Yeah, but Pasquale, what's this PCT center for? Police are caught for troublemakers. <laughs> yeah, but Pasquale, all I'm going to do is write a letter to paper about a traffic light. And this country is a freedom of speech. Sure, they got a freedom of press, too, but still you got to pay for your newspapers. <laughs> Luigi, your trouble is you read the words the way they ain't. Now what's to happen? Your ignorance has brought you to a catastrophe. <laughs> well, Pasquale, I'm going to stop him. I'm going to write the note to the police department. This is not going to help. It's gotten too big now, Luigi. You've got to go over the heads of the police department. The FBI. The FBI, huh? Well, sure, I'm going to downtown right now to see J. Edgar Hoover. Hey, wait, wait, Luigi. Come back. Stupid little pop squeak. J. Edgar Hoover. He don't even know Hoover's first name is a Herbert. Hey, it's a big building. Sign out the side, it says uh, City Hall. Mamma mia, it's the biggest hall I've ever saw. Well, I'm a better going inside. Ah, there's a man in a grey uniform. Maybe he's telling me. Uh, pardon me, mister. Yes? Where am I going to go see the FBI about a traffic light before the police are coming to close up on my store at 7.30 p.m.? What is this, a gag? No, that's my necktie. I'm always wearing it tight. Just who do you want to see, mister? Well, it's, uh, it's about traffic signal. Better go see, see Mr. Albert Schlicker. In the traffic engineering department. Go right down the hall to room nine. Thank you. Albert Schlicker, traffic engineering department. Ah, that's him. I'm a knocker. Come in. Hello. Yes? Did you have an appointment for five o'clock? Oh, no. I'm got a plenty of time to talk with you. <laughs> well, who are you? Well, I'm Luigi Basco, 21 and the Hollister Street of Chicago, 4 Illinois. I'm coming to see you about the letter I'm got from police department about traffic signal. You see, it's a busy corner. Oh, that... now I see. Well, Mr. Basco, we get hundreds of requests every day for traffic signal devices, but people often forget. We can't always work miracles. Very often, our hands are tied. Poor man, it must have hurt your wrists. <laughs> No, please, Mr. Schlicker. I'm not trying to start a trouble. Little kids was being hit by cars or so. Mr. Basco, perhaps I can save your time and mine by explaining how our department operates. Naturally, we <laughs> we do have a <laughs> a little red tape. <laughs> red tape. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> you uh, know what uh, red tape is, of course. Oh, sure. That's a little band-aids with the macruta crumbs. <laughs> uh, not quite. You see, Mr. Basco. The traffic engineering department acts on request immediately by sending out a crew to count the volume of traffic at the intersection in question. Uh -huh. If there's a count of 750 vehicles per hour at the intersection, including 175 per hour from the minor streets, and if that average is maintained for an eight-hour-per-day period, then the volume of traffic would be judged sufficient to warrant the erection of a traffic signal. Is that clear? Huh? <laughs> However, the actual installation would also be dependent upon timing considerations insofar as proper space distances have to be maintained between signals in order to maintain continuous flow of traffic without severe delay. Do you follow me? No. 
I'm a think is it too much of traffic. Now, maybe I'd better put it another way. I'm a got a feeling it wouldn't have helped. I was thinking of the accident factor. Now, please, don't get excited. Listen, Mr. Vasco. If the accident history is so severe as to require the installation of traffic signals, we would cut the red tape and grab the bull by the horn. Hey, yeah, that's your trouble. You're spending too much time of putting up a traffic signal for the bulls. <laughs> this is impossible. No, it's not impossible. Let the stockyards take care of the bulls. <laughs> Don't buy red tape and you got more money for the people. Now, look here, Mr. Bosco. I'm a busy man. Yeah, but I'm... Good a... day, Mr. Bosco. Well, well, well. How you made out with the FBI, little cabbage puss? Was there no FBI, Pasquale? Was traffic engineering department. Man is a start to explain to me, but I'm acting stupid and he's a throw me out. Now I'm going to get even worse of trouble. Sure, sure. Luigi, trouble with you, you got a traffic signal of brain. It stops when it should go. Now stop talking so stupid and begin packing your clothes. Any minutes, the police department is coming to throw you out of the country. Mamma mia, it's almost a half past seven. Pasquale, help me. Talk to them. Maybe you... Take it easy, Luigi. Calm down. Relapse. <laughs> you know, when you come to Pasquale, I always help you out. After all, I'm a vote in the 25 years in this country. I'm a respective citizen. I could have talked to the politics of boss, take you under my parole, I clear up everything for you. Oh, Pasquale, you would do all of this for me? <laughs> sure, little pumpkin head. Now, uh, I'm going to do you a favor. Maybe you're going to do me a little favor. <laughs> oh, sure, Pasquale, what the favor you... Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> now I'm calling the blush and the bride. Rosa! 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 You called me Papa! <laughs> yes, my little wallflower. Rosa, say hello to Luigi. <laughs> Hello, Rosa. Rosa, Luigi's decided to forget all about her trying to improve the city. Instead, he's thinking about a marriage. Ooh! Oh! <laughs> now, uh, to start things off right, I'm sending you two to the movies. You're going to see Love Happy and sit in the balcony with the Marx Brothers. Now, Rosa, you and Luigi are going to be up and at the balcony for three hours. What do you say? We better take along a lot of popcorn. Oh, shut up, you face. Now, listen, I'm trying... Hello, is Mr. Basco in? Oh, here's a policeman. Hey, Pasquale, please, please, you tell him. Sure, sure, I tell him. Mr. Officer, you don't got to take this man away. I'm a personally <laughs> going to... Mr. Basco, uh, Captain Redden of our precinct thought you should get the news first because it seems you did all the work. The city is putting up that traffic signal tomorrow night. Mommy, that's so wonderful, wonderful. You hear that, Pasquale? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> now, officer, if you'll please excuse us, me and Luigi, we got other plans to talk about. Other plans? Uh, yes, uh, Luigi, about the wedding. Now, what kind of a wedding would you like? Oh, the wedding. 
Well, Pasquale, make it a traffic signal a wedding. Traffic signal a wedding? What's that? I'm a stop for you and a rose go. Wait to my son. <laughs> Goodbye, Pop. And so, Mamma Mia, right now is a big, beautiful traffic light on the corner of a Hollister and a Maple. And it's making me feel real good inside when I see the little bambini walking up in the back without being afraid of the cars. Last night, political boss Johnson was come around and started taking all of the credit. He was a walk across the street telling everybody how big he was. And I guess what's happened. Officer Flanagan was proud to present the politician with a first ticket for jaywalking. <laughs> You're loving a son of Luigi Vasco, the little immigrant. Folks, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's episode of Life with Luigi. And they'd like to remind you that you will also enjoy chewing delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum invite you to listen next week at the same time when Luigi Basco writes another letter to his mama Basco in Italy. Life with Luigi is produced and directed by Cy Howard and is written by Mac Benoff and Lou Derman. Jay Carroll Nash is starred as Luigi Vasco with Alan Reed as Pasquale, Hans Conrad as Schultz, Jody Gilbert as Rosa, Mary Ship as Miss Balding, Joe Forte as Horowitz, Ken Peters as Olsen, and Sarah Berner as Mrs. Pellegrino. Music is under the direction of Blood Gluster. Friends, the Wrigley Company invite you to listen to their other program, The Gene Autry Show, every Saturday night over most of the same CBS station. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Life with Luigi with the Traffic Light starring J. Carol Nash, also in the cast, Alan Reed, Mary Shep, Hans Conrad, and Jody Gilbert, sponsored by Wrigley's Gum, as heard on NBC from April 4th, 1950. Life with Luigi, hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's the very first episode of The Man from Homicide, starring Charles McGraw. We'll be right back. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across nearly 200 radio stations coast to coast. And if you want to learn anything about this show or to tune into our podcast, just go to Hollywood360radio.com. All right, it's time now for The Man from Homicide. This is the very first episode in the series. In fact, Charles McGraw starred in Episode 1 as Lieutenant Lou Dana. But then by the second episode, the producers replaced him with film actor Dan Derrier. So this is really the only show that Charles McGraw ever starred in. So uh, kind of a rare program. This series ran one season in 1950 as a summer replacement for Inner Sanctum, which was being heard on ABC at the time. Lieutenant Dana had a reputation for playing rough and often apprehended killers single-handedly and had great personal peril. It was produced and directed by Helen Mack of Let's Pretend fame and Dwight Hauser. Casts included Joan Banks, Larry Dobkin, Lamont Johnson, Arthur Q. Bryan, and Tony Barrett. And you know who one of the writers of this series was, Lisa and Mike? 
Dick Powell. So let's go back to September 16, 1950, for the Harold Winthrop case, starring Charles McGraw in the very first episode of The Man from Homicide. The Man from Homicide, a new dramatic series starring Charles McGraw as Lieutenant Dana. According to Webster's Unabridged Dictionary, homicide is the killing of one human being by another. According to a man from homicide, it's just the beginning of a dirty, dangerous job that doesn't end until a killer is found. But I like it. Maybe because I don't like killers. We don't bother much with names at headquarters. We give them a number and a file card. When they're in and the case is closed, we file a card and forget it. Only sometimes we don't forget that easy. The perfect cop would have a computing machine for a brain and a hydraulic pump for a heart. The perfect cop would never get hurt. I'm not a perfect cop. Terminal Street pitches up sharp from San Miguel Harbor. It's not the kind of street you'd be taking a walk on unless you were a cop like me. On a case that started with a dead man in a ditch. A dead man who'd collected too many ice picks. I walked up Terminal Street at night with only the shadows for company until... You in a hurry? What do you want? Let's go inside where you just came from. I can't. I... Gun shy? I gotta find a policeman. You found one. You? But... No uniform? No, but the city gives me a badge to carry around. Oh. Lieutenant Dana, homicide. Come on. I'm so glad you were here. I'm frightened. (laughs) I almost fell into that garbage can. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but we'll still have to go into that house. I know. Door's locked. Let me have your key. All right. I... Never mind. Turns out it wasn't locked. It's nice to know you have a key. It's nice carpet. Yes. Houses around here don't run to carpets often. You left the lights on. Uh, I... Where is he? The living room. Door on your left. Thanks. Why don't you sit down for a minute? Well, the corpse was male, white, in its early 30s. What might have been a look of surprise on his pretty face probably meant nothing because of the two bullet holes placed less than an inch apart in his chest. The expression on the faces of the dead being incapable of verification. Corpse wore silk socks. Silk socks. What? Whose house? I live here, if that's what you mean. That isn't what I mean. It's a rented house. The rent receipts being among his souvenirs? What's his name? Winthrop. Harold Winthrop. Yours? Claire Thorpe. And all that suit he's wearing will never be the same. It's too bad. It's nice tail. I didn't kill him. I was in the kitchen mixing drinks for us. I heard the shots and ran in here. I I was frightened. I ran out to find a policeman. It don't surprise you to hear the actual figures on telephones in use in a city of this size? I was afraid to stay in the house. I should have phoned the police. I know. Show me the kitchen, would you please? All right. I wonder how many men wearing silk socks ever walk up Terminal Street. The kitchen. The back door is wide open. I'll close it. Wait a minute. Don't touch it. Don't touch that knob. Kick it shut. The drinks, the ice cubes are beginning to melt. Was he married? Yes. The pretty ones usually are. 
You know, this is a funny neighborhood for a man wearing silk socks to be found dead in. I'll bet he's embarrassed. The mills began to grind. I phoned in, and after a little while, during which none of us said anything, me, Claire Thorpe, the corpse, company came. Come on, boys, let's get at it. A handful of educated cops who did things with fingerprints and blood stains and photographs from 19 different angles. The gun that killed Winthrop was among the missing. A special escort arrived for Claire Thorpe. All right, miss, let's go. No. Wait a minute. She started to cry again. So I decided to leave. Anyway, somebody had to notify the new widow she was a widow. I went down Terminal Street the way Claire Thorpe had run and stopped at the garbage can she'd stumbled over. There was nothing in it but garbage. The Winthrop place covered what seemed like a couple of acres. The house undoubtedly had come over on the Mayflower. Even the trees looked refined. I rang the bell and decided the next time I visited, I'd be sure and get my shoes shined. Yes? Are you Mrs. Winthrop? Mrs. Harold Winthrop? I am. It's late. Are you going to give me the weather report next? No. You mind if I come in? I don't suppose I do. Come in. Thanks. We don't need that music. It's Mozart. Yeah? His 39th. In D, I think. But you wouldn't know about that, would you? No, I wouldn't know anything about that. Would you turn it off, please? All right. Not important. Sometimes very important things aren't important. Why don't you sit down? Or something? You got a big place here. We, my husband and I, like it. Any children? You're from the Census Bureau. No. Any children? None. Okay. I'm glad you approve. Or were you approving? I'm Lieutenant Dana, homicide. Oh, I've read about you men in the papers. I'm very much impressed. I don't know exactly what I would have expected one of you to look like, but... I'm sorry. I keep forgetting you must have had a reason for coming here. Beside the fact that it's late. I had a reason. Your husband isn't home. No. He's down in a sleazy shack on Terminal Street. That's near the harbor. Am I supposed to ask you what he's doing there? You can if you like. All right. What is my husband doing in a sleazy shack on Terminal Street? He's lying on an imitation oriental rug with a couple of bullets in his heart. You shouldn't wear your hat indoors, Lieutenant. I'm sorry. You won't mind if I don't try to squeeze out a tear? No. Harold hasn't meant anything to me for a long time. Alive or... The death hasn't changed that. He wasn't very much of a man. I suppose that's why he had to go slinking down back alleys trying to prove something to himself. Who killed him? Did you ever hear of a woman named Claire Thorpe? No. But he'd hardly tell me about her, would he? Where are the servants? Asleep. Been home all evening, Mrs. Winter? Yes. What time did the servants turn in? Around ten. What time was... was Harold killed? Ten-thirty. Good night, Mrs. Winthrop. Lieutenant Dana. Yeah? That question. It means I'm going to see you again, doesn't it? You might have answered that more quickly. All I meant was, in the line of duty... You're beautiful, Mrs. Winter. 
If you're going to say things like that, better make it Kate. Nearest I ever came with silk socks turned out to be rayon. Oh, one thing more. Yes? Mozart's 39th is an E-flat. That's the first portion of The Man from Homicide. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to The Man from Homicide. At first interview with Mrs. Winthrop, ascertained that she had no alibi for the time of her husband's murder. No grief for his death. Failed to discover possible motive, if any. Ignore female. White, middle twenties. Dark eyes, olive skin. Soft black hair, a cop would... Give his pension to wind around his hands. Heading south on Claremont, I picked up a trailing car in my rearview mirror. His left beam was weaker, which led to recognition after a half a mile. Proceeding south on Claremont, I swung my car across the road. I got out and I was waiting for him. He was fumbling for the reverse when I got his door open. You looking for me? Your car is blocking traffic. What traffic? I'm in a hurry, mister. Get out. I said... I I said get out. Who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? Okay, okay. Now turn around. All right, Dana, I give you that gun. You got a license for it? I... uh, Who put you on me? Wouldn't you like to know? I... Who put you on me? You can't get away with beating me up. You're a hood carrying a gun. Maybe you never heard. I don't like hoods who pull a gun on me. I lose my temper with him. Stop it. Who put you on me, crybaby? Reddick. I know. He owns the Avon Club. Roulette and dice. The wheel's square, but the dice are loaded. Let's go visit. Okay. Want to go in my car? No, no, my car. The city pays for the gas. The spoiler dried his tears beside me. I had thoughts about Mr. Reddick. The department had been interested in him for quite a while. Crooked gambler. Man who had a string of hoods in the payroll. A man who'd maybe seen to it that a rival wound up dead in a ditch punctured with ice picks. Also a man who liked women, not to mention vice versa. Oh, it's me, spoiler. You I can recognize with pardon the expression, the naked eye. Whose muscles? Lou Dana, Benny. Social call, copper? We'll leave it at that. We'll do even better than that, copper. You'll leave. No. Got a search warrant? No. Ah, goodbye, copper. Keep your finger off that buzzer. What are you... This isn't a raid. I don't care for right now what's going on in the club. I'm visiting Reddick. He ain't in. I'm going to try that again, Benny. He ain't... Stop crowding me, copper. You don't like crowds, Benny? No. How'd you like to join a crowd down at the lineup? You've got nothing on me. I can dream, Benny. About a guy found dead in a ditch... A guy on the receiving end of ice picks. I understand he was trying to muscle in on your boss. What's the matter, boy? Don't you boys believe in free enterprise? Down the hall, Dana. Thanks. Come on, spoiler. Yes? Speak up, spoiler. Spoiler, Mr. Redding. Come in. 
Walter, I thought you were supposed to... He is trailing me. Trailed me right into your office, Reddy. Hello, Lieutenant. Other side of the door, spoiler. Do we want to be alone, Lieutenant? We do. Mr. Reddick, he's got my rod. Oh. Spoiler doesn't feel right without his protection, Lieutenant. Here's the license for that gun. Well, pretty engraving. It's a shame I can't read. You could get in trouble taking the spoiler's gun. He could get in worse trouble. He's a little careless. Now that you mention... Mr. Reddick, it ain't my fault. He beat up on me. Look at my face. It's swollen. Biggest mosquitoes you ever saw. This Mr. Reddick, you'll do something about it. You sent me after him, you know. Spoiler. Yeah, Mr. Reddick? Yeah. Sure, okay, but... Hey, Mr. Reddick, you ain't, you ain't sore at me. No. I mean, I, I couldn't stand that. If you were sore at me, I... Get out. I couldn't help it if that guy... He wouldn't have tried it if I'd had a chance to get a gun on him. Spoiler. I don't want to talk to you. Here's your gun. Catch. Now you got a gun on me. I... I... Out, spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Not a strong character, the spoiler. It wasn't a character analysis of spoiler that brought you here. No. I don't want any trouble with you, Dan. I realize perfectly well that you can make trouble. But perhaps I should remind you that my clientele happens to be composed of some of the finest people in the city. You mean the best healed. How's Harold Winthrop these days? Harold Winthrop? Oh, yes, yes, he's patronized the club on occasion. Mr. Winthrop, Lieutenant, is a gentleman of the highest social standing. The last time I saw him, he was lying down. Oh? I want a gun, Reddick. Lose your own? The gun I want has two bullets missing. Bullets that wound up in Winthrop's chest. Oh. Yes, yes, I can see why you would want that gun. Uh-huh. Tell me, where were you tonight at 10.30? Reading a good book. How many witnesses? Three, I think. The spoiler, Benny. Who's the third? Claire Thorpe. Oh, she's the little blonde girl, isn't she? I heard tell you used to play together. She's the girl you picked up and booked, Lieutenant. At 10.30. 10.40. Terminal Street is only a few blocks from here. Yeah. I hadn't realized that. Think about it. Three witnesses for her, too. And I'm only one dumb copper. Good night, Reddick. Good night. It was dark in the alley back of the gambling club. I was close to my car and maybe careless. After a while, they got them all off. The place was maybe 20 miles outside the city limits. I had a gun in my hand. Mine. Maybe four feet from me, spoiler was resting. I got up out of the sand and went over to him and decided he wasn't resting. A number of bullets had worn him down. Bullets out of my gun. That wasn't a good frame. It wasn't intended to be. Spoiler's death was insurance, nuisance value, and it consumed time. Wake up, Dave. Oh, hi, Lieutenant. I'm wide awake. Claire Thorpe. What about her? I want to talk to her. She's been sprung, Lou. The angle? Habeas corpus. No murder weapon on the premises. No way she got rid of it. DA didn't care for her. Why, that stupid... 
Say, Dave, would you get Malone on a first aid kit? Huh? Blood's tickling the back of my neck. Holy mackerel. Who slugged you? Little boy Blue. Oh, one thing more. Locate Winthrop's lawyer. Find out who inherits, huh? Whatever you say. First thing in the morning. No, no, no. Tonight. Okay. What was assigned to Claire Thorpe? Nobody's tailor. We didn't think it was... Nobody. But find her, Pappy, and find her quick. I sat around headquarters and waited. Plenty of reports came in. The weather was going to be fine tomorrow. Captain O'Malley had a baby over in the 16th precinct. Mrs. Winthrop was the sole heir to the Winthrop estate. But nothing on Claire Thorpe. The department would turn her up in time, but I got tired of waiting. Maybe she'd gone back to the house on Terminal Street. Oh, I... Claire Thorpe had gone back to the house on Terminal Street for keeps. I phoned the sergeant. Then I sat on a flimsy bench in front of the vanity, staring at my bandage in the mirror. Stirring the Rochelle powder in the open box on the table. Claire Thorpe had stopped bleeding. When the fingerprint boys in the meat wagon got there, I got out fast. By the time I got to Reddick's Club, the finest people he'd mentioned had gone home. I'm afraid you're a little late. You're not kidding, Mr. Doorman. I mean, the, the club's closing. My badge isn't going to look good compared to the gold braid you've got on your epaulets. But a, a cop. Lieutenant Dane, if you want to be formal. I, I didn't notice any other cops around. There aren't any. But if this is a raid... It isn't. All I want's Reddick. He's busy. He's going to be busier. Look, Lieutenant, I, I don't want to get into this. I got a job. It pays off. You won't have to get into it. Where are they? Office. Down the hallway from the main room. But I didn't tell you, see? You didn't tell me. Don't like it, Mr. Reddick. Now, look, Danny, I... Good evening. Dear, dear. Lieutenant Lou Dana. Glad you remembered me from the last time. Betty, take your hand out of your pocket. Sure, copper. See? Gun. You got a license for it? Never mind. Mr. Reddick will have one on file. Oddly enough, Lieutenant, I... Yeah. Makes it nice and legal. Checking in all the guns in the city, Lieutenant. No, I got a report for you from the Bureau of Vital Statistics. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. The population of the city's dropped within the last couple of hours. By two. Two? The spoiler, but that wouldn't be news to you. You said two? Oh, imagine my forgetting. Claire Thorpe. Claire? Dead. As dead as they ever get, and they get very dead, Reddick. You had her sprung. Yes, but that, that was... That brought her out in the open. The open's a good place to get shot. You'll have to do any further talking with my attorney. Oh, then. why don't you stop? I haven't got a whereas on me. Harold Winthrop, the spoiler, Claire Thorpe. Let's think about the spoiler, Reddick. He was my boy. How'd you happen to know he was dead? I... Oh, don't bother. Benny told you. How'd Benny know? Benny shot him with my gun, right, Benny? Wise copper. I wasn't nice. Especially when you had a gun of your own, licensed and all. Spoiler fell down on the job. He let me spot him trailing me. He wasn't a strong character, so he died. You're doing fine. The rest is tougher. Reddick, you never were a big man. Now you are. How come? Merit is always recognized and rewarded. Oh, yeah, and the copybooks. You moved up when the heavy money boys started dropping in at your club. Why? They were treated properly. They were robbed blind. But what made them suddenly decide you were a nice boy to play with, huh? Oh, no, wait a minute. Don't bother thinking up the answer. We got it from a stoolie weeks ago. The name is Winthrop. 
One of the oldest and classiest names in the city. I was proud to be numbered among his friends. In that case, then you're the one to ask. What was a guy like that doing in a house in Terminal Street? Lieutenant, you've seen Claire Thorpe. Oh, yeah, sure. Right after Winthrop was killed. She made a break from the house and ran into me. I took her back inside. Reddick. Before I did, she stumbled over a garbage can. The poor girl must have been nervous. The poor girl was smart. You know what she did, Reddick? She got rid of a hot gun in that garbage can. Then all you had to do was search it. At the time, I couldn't know about the gun. Afterwards, all I came up with was garbage. Just like a cop. She stuck her neck out. Why? She was in love with you, that's why. She must have thought she was covering for you. You had the house staked out. Somebody spotted her act, fished the gun out of the can. That was Benny. No, it was this... Correction. Spoiler. Who do I get for him, Reddick? I... Actually, as I told you before, I know nothing about the spoiler's death. It's a blow to me, Dana. A very sad blow. I don't think you realize how much of a blow. They let accessory smell the cyanide gas just as quick as killers. I wasn't... Before, the... during, and after the fact, Reddick. No, I Prove was... It. What do I get for the spoiler? Dana, I will admit that... Well, one of my employees may have lost his head. Shut up, Reddick. I wouldn't know, of course, if true Benny did happen to, to go out for a while. What, what time was the spoiler shot? Roughly 1.40 a.m. Uh, that, roughly, is when Benny went out. Mr. Reddick, don't do that. Well, well Benny, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get you the finest lawyer. You, you, you needn't worry about his fee. I'll, I'll take care of that. We'll, we must be sensible about this, Benny. I, I can help Time's you. I'm dying. You... Let's have your gun, Benny. Why don't you come and get it, copper? All right. I will. You better stop right where you are, copper. Maybe it ain't supposed to be smart blasting a cop. I want your gun, Benny. All right, another step, just one step more. You get it. I don't mean the rod either. I mean bullets in your belly. Your gun, Benny. What's the matter? What's the matter? What's wrong with you? You think bullets won't hit you? You think you're different from other guys just because you're a cop? Will you stop moving in on me? What's wrong with you? You, you... I'm Lou Dana, Benny. Uh... All right, all right, all right. Take it. No, no, Benny. Pick it up. Hand it to me. I... Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Benny. Reddick, you're coming with us. What to... All right, Lieutenant, I'll be glad to. Of course, it's only for a little while. That'll be between you and the district attorney's office. Oh, uh, one thing more. Yeah? The other gun, Reddick. The one that was used on Winthrop. You're sure I've got it? What kind of a question is that? All right, Dana. It's in the drawer. Reddick, I'll take it. Be careful. Don't take the handkerchief off that gun. Don't worry. I'll keep it warm. I took him down, and the desk sergeant made marks on his brand-new blotter. Benny Carolla, alias Benjamin Carter, alias Benjamin Wilde, along with Vincent Reddick, was charged with murder. The murder of a man referred to as the Spoiler. We left the other desks off the blotter. A man can die only once. And then, I got my shoes shined. Come in, Lieutenant Dana. You'll um, have to overlook my dressing gown. I was just about to go to bed. I'm sorry, Mrs. Winthrop. Lieutenant, what's your first name? Lou, why? I don't know. I just wanted... I don't know why. Ah, it's not important. Let's not discuss things being important. 
Or are you being unkind and trying to remind me that I thought Mozart's 39th was in D? Mozart's dead. Yes, and so is my husband. But won't you call me Kate anyway? All right. Never mind, I know. You're here on business. All right, Lieutenant. You found out that I inherit Harold's estate, haven't you? Yes. That's why you're here, isn't it? I know that's for me. Yes, Pappy. Uh-huh. You're fine. All right, go back to sleep. What was that, Lieutenant? Further check to find out just what it was you inherited. And you found out. Harold Winthrop had nothing to his name but the silk socks he died in. That's true. He wasn't killed because of anything anybody would inherit from him. Thank you. And now I suppose I don't interest you anymore. In the line of duty. So, you'll be going away. I'd like to tell you something first. All right. When your husband got shot, a girl named Claire Thorpe gave the gun that did the killing to Reddick. She was in love with him. She thought he'd killed your husband. I got that gun from Reddick. It was carefully wrapped in a handkerchief. Does that mean something? It means Reddick didn't shoot your husband. He wouldn't have been so careful about preserving the prints on that gun if he had. You've got more to tell me. Yeah. The way it's set up, your husband and Claire Thorpe were keeping house on Terminal Street. And your husband was steering all his rich friends to the Avon Club for a split of the take. That's the way it's set up. I can't believe that of Harold. Oh, it's true, I suppose, but I... It isn't true. It isn't. But then... Somebody I... was keeping house on Terminal Street, sure. But it wasn't Claire Thorpe, because she had the whitest skin on a woman I've ever seen. I'm not especially interested in Miss Thorpe's attractions. On the vanity table in that house, there was a box of face powder. Rochelle. Blondes with very white skin don't use Rochelle. Brunettes do. A brunette was keeping house with someone on Terminal Street. You're a brunette, Mrs. Winthrop. You were keeping house on Terminal Street with Reddick. No. Your husband found you there, didn't he? And all he found was death. I, um... I don't think I'm going to say anything. Don't. Wouldn't do any good. We've got a date with the desk sergeant, Mrs. Winthrop. All right. But, uh... You wouldn't want to take a girl to headquarters in her night clothes, would you? No, I wouldn't. Then you won't mind if I get dressed? In my bedroom? No. <laughs> you shouldn't have ripped my dressing gown off. I had to make sure you were wearing street clothes underneath. You are. Claire Thorpe was killed only a little while ago. That finishes it. All right. But... I wish you'd take your hat off indoors, Lieutenant Zayner. I'm sorry. Let's go, Kate. Catherine Winthrop was booked at the 14th Precinct for the murder of her husband, Harold Winthrop, and for the murder of Claire Thorpe. Her prints on the murder gun clinched it. We gave her a number and a file card. And the eyes, the warm lips... The hair a man would give his soul to get his hands on. It didn't mean a thing. I don't like killers. You have just heard The Man from Homicide, starring Charles McGraw. Mr. McGraw appears by arrangement with RKO Radio Pictures, Incorporated, and will soon be seen starring in The Target. 
The script was written by Louis Vitties and was produced and directed by Helen Mack. Music was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. In tonight's cast, Reddick was played by James Backus, Kate Winthrop, Joan Banks, Benny, Larry Dobkin, Claire Thorpe, Maggie Morley, Spoiler, Lamont Johnson, The Sergeant, Tom Tully, The Doorman, Arthur Q. Bryan, and Lieutenant Lou Dana, Charles McGraw. And that's The Man from Homicide from September 16, 1950 with the Harold Winthrop case starring Charles McGraw as heard on NBC. Hope you enjoyed that. You know who was in the cast of that show, Lisa and Mike? Jim Backus. You know who Jim Backus was on television? Thurston Howell III. He did a lot of radio before he was seen on uh, Gilligan's Island. Yeah, he was great on that. Yeah, he really, really was. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. stars in The Silent Men. Then Clifton Fadiman hosts Information Please. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.